All right, we got 15 minutes. Ready to go to work for 15 minutes? See, us pastors, we preach, we call this working. And so we're going to go to work now 15 minutes hard. And we're going to crunch in a lot of stuff in 15, let's say maybe 20. And so we want to, uh, we're wrapping up today a series that we've been working on called Go. And for the last few weeks, we've brought in a number of different people. Um, we've had Harv Martins here from, uh, um, oh boy, Gospel for Asia. And so we were challenged there. We had uh, Corey Vincent from Salvation Army talk about some of the local stuff that's going on. Last week, we had Don Miller here from the Canadian Bible Society. Uh, today, Jay has shared with us a little bit what the World Vision is doing. And so we could bring in a lot more people. There's all kinds of missionaries that we can bring in to share about what God is doing around the world. But what we want to do today is we want to narrow in on our lives and we want to look at this in through our, our, a lens that looks into our lives and says, and what are you doing? Because it's easy for us to look around and say, wow, look at what God's doing through all these missionaries around the world and to be inspired and to maybe even be entertained by stories from what God is doing around the world. But today I want us to, for a moment, just focus in on you. Who are, what are you doing? What, what is God doing through you? And, and to, for a moment, just instead of looking at someone else and seeing what they're doing and seeing what they could possibly even do, to look down on ourselves and to say, okay, so God, what's your plan for my life? I'll tell you guys a story. I saw, I saw my mom walk out. She probably knew this was coming, so she, she walked out. Thanks, Mom, for walking out right before I preach, but hey, I'll, I'll get over it. Um, <clears throat> I'm tempted to say when she walks back in, we all look, but now I know you all will, so I don't even need to tell you to do that. So, poor Mom. Doesn't know what's going on. But anyway, I remember when I, I'm going to say I was 14 years old because that's kind of when during that stage in your life where, you know, you're, you're kind of arrogant and you know everything and, and all those kind of things. And so I was around 14 years old and I was going for a drive with my mom. Or actually, we were going somewhere. It's not like my mom and I went for drives together. That sounds a little weird, but we were going for a drive and, and I was sitting in the passenger seat and it all of a sudden dawned on me. I could drive this car better than my mom. Without a question, I was like, I know for a fact I could drive this car better than my mom. And I didn't tell her that. I was smart enough not to. But, I, you know, I just, in my heart, I'm like, I know I can do this. I can drive this car way better than she ever could. And so I decided to do a test. And here's, here's my test. Now, you've got to have to kind of go into my head a little bit. So this is going to be a little weird, but go into my head with me. And so here's the test that I decided to do. I'm in the passenger seat. I look out the window for about three seconds. Okay? So I'm looking out the window. One, two, three. I look back. Bam! We are still in the lane. You guys don't get that. Wow. You guys seriously don't get that? See, my kids didn't get that either. So uh, one guy in the back, he's like, I get it, I get it. Anyway, bear with me, it gets better. I decided to do the test again. See, my daughters told me this wasn't going to work. But anyway, that's my illustration for this morning, so work with me here. So I decided I'm going to do this test again. I look out the window, and I counted to like five, six. Look back, bam, still in the lane. What kind of an amazing driver do you have to be to be able to look away from the road for six seconds, and you're still in your lane? I'm like, I am such a phenomenal driver. I can drive this car way better than my mom. Look at her staring at the road. Um, clearly the reason the car was still in the lane is because I wasn't driving. This is going to hit some of you around 4 o'clock today. Oh, 
I get it now. Wow, you know, I should have taken my kids' advice. Don't use that story. First service, not comparing services here, but first service got it right away. Just saying, just saying. Um, but anyway, here's, here's the thing. My mom was the one driving, and so here I was sitting in the passenger seat thinking that I was doing the work. Thinking that somehow by me looking out the window and then looking back on the road was making a difference. See, I share that story with us this morning because I think sometimes our view of God is a little bit like that. I think sometimes when we look at our our life with God, I wonder if we sometimes don't think maybe we're more in control than we actually are. Maybe we kind of think, I can decide what I want to do with my life. I can decide what I'm doing, and I'm doing pretty good. And we think we've got life in control. We think we're the ones handling things. We think we're the ones steering our ways through certain circumstances. We think we're the ones navigating through life, and it's not us, it's God. Because there's nothing that we could do apart from Him. Now on the other hand, I think most of us would be very quick to admit that we are fully dependent on God. And this is where you get people saying things like, you know, you couldn't take a single breath without God. You couldn't even blink your eyes without God. And you'd be right. And so we recognize our full dependence on God. We understand that without Him we could do nothing. Look at what John says in John chapter 15, verse 5. He says, I am the vine. Jesus speaking here. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you want to bear fruit, if you want your life to be fruitful, Jesus is saying, apart from me, you cannot bear any fruit. So I think that all of us here, Um, understand that we are fully, fully dependent on God. So for those of us who believe in Jesus, and if you don't yet believe in Jesus, that's okay. You're wrestling with that, and that's cool. But for those of us who believe in Jesus, I don't think that there would be anyone in this room who would say, I don't need Jesus. I don't think there'd be a single person in this room that would say, I am not fully dependent on Jesus. As a matter of fact, we would be offended if someone would suggest otherwise. So having said that, wouldn't it make perfect sense if we're saying, I am fully dependent on Jesus for everything, would it then not also make sense to fully surrender to the one we are fully dependent on? Let me explain it to you like this. We need oxygen. You can't live without oxygen. Now let's say you were going to go into space. You would not go into space without making sure that you had enough oxygen to last you the full trip. And so you recognize your dependency on oxygen, and so you're not going to separate yourself from oxygen. In other words, you could say, I depend on oxygen, therefore I will surrender to oxygen. And it makes perfect sense if we're saying we are fully dependent on Jesus, then clearly, along with that, we should then also fully surrender ourselves to Jesus. So our view of God must be like this. Our dependency on God must be matched by our obedience to God. Our dependency on God must be matched by our obedience to God. And I think if we would take that approach to life, we would live very, very different lives. 
Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever seen a truly spoiled child? Don't raise your hands. You see these around every now and then. A truly spoiled child. Let's put this child at around four, five, six years old. And if you were to listen in on this child, and if you would listen to the motive for how they live their life, here's what you would say here. This child would be telling you, I need my parents to get what I want. That's by definition spoiled right there. I need my parents to get what I want. So this child has no problem recognizing their dependency or even admitting their dependency on their, chi- on their parents, but this child has a distorted view on why they need their parents. Their thinking is, I need my parents. I recognize that without my parents, I couldn't live, so I need my parents, but the reason I need my parents is so that I get what I want. So what does a spoiled child do when they don't get what they want? They'll throw a temper tantrum. Or they'll cry. And then the parent quickly, you know, they don't want to deal with that, so they'll quickly give the child what they want so that the child will be quiet. Well, now what does that spoiled child do when they're scared at night? When they're afraid? That child will call out to their parents, to mom or to dad, Why? Because they recognize, I need my parents. But unfortunately, this child's view is that I only need my parents for what I want. I only need my parents to get what I want. Now here's a question for all of us. Our view of Jesus. Do we have a view of Jesus like a spoiled child does of his parents? Is our view of Jesus like a spoiled child saying, I need Jesus, but I need him only for what I want? Now, I don't think there would be too many people in this room that would say, you know, like I said before, that would admit to saying, we are fully dependent on Jesus. So we, our prayers may sound something like this. Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I couldn't live without you. I couldn't save myself. I am fully dependent on you. There's nothing I could do on my own. And yet in the same breath, we may say something like this. And you want me to do what? So on the one hand, we're saying, I need you. On the other hand, is I don't want to do what you want me to do. I need you, but don't tell me how to live. I need you, but only give me what I want. And without thinking, we have what I would call SCS, spoiled child syndrome. Our view of Jesus has been distorted as being, I need Jesus to get what I want. I want to use my time how I want to use my time. I want to spend my money as if it's mine. I want to use my gifts only when I want to and where I want to. And so if our approach is that, we are going to live a very selfish kind of life. But what if our approach went from, I need Jesus to get what I want. What if it went to, I need Jesus to get what he wants. 
It's a whole different approach. We still recognize our dependency on Jesus, but suddenly our dependency on Jesus is not for him to give me what I want. Our dependency on Jesus now is to say, Jesus, I need you so that you will accomplish what you want to accomplish in my life. It's a whole new approach to living. The Apostle Paul had this approach. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, or if you want to, you can just look at the screen. Philippians chapter 1, verse 19. Look at what Paul says here. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Okay, so Paul is recognizing right away that God is at work here and that God is in control. Verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. So the focus here is not what does Paul want. The focus here is that Christ would be exalted. Verse 21, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Okay, so again, Paul is saying, life or death, ultimately what I want is what Jesus wants. Verse 22, if I am going to go, let me start over. If I am going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? There's this conflict within him. I do not know. So he's, he's all, you know, he's worked up and he doesn't know what to do. Verse 23, I am torn between the two. Look at the decision that he's wrestling with. I desire to depart to be with Christ, which is by far better. Okay, this is a guy, if you read 2 Corinthians, you can read in that book what has all been done to Paul. This is a man who's been tied up to a post numbers of times, beaten severely. This is a guy who's been chased around. People are trying to kill him. This is a guy who's faced hunger, shipwrecked. He is a man who has gone through an extraordinary amount. And Paul is saying, if it was up to me, I would depart this life and go be together with Jesus, which would be better by far. And who would argue with him? Which is what makes the next verse so amazing. So Paul's saying, that's what I want. Look at verse 24. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So Paul's saying, what I want is to depart. If it was up to me, Jesus, you take me home right now. But recognizing that God's got more in store for him, that God has a different plan He's like, I will remain. Look at verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. So Paul recognizes this obvious uh, conflict within him. I want to go home to Jesus. What does Jesus want me to do? I want to go home with Jesus. What does Jesus want me to do? And every single one of us are going to find times in our lives where we will have to make a decision. Do I want Jesus in my life? Do I need Jesus for what I want? Or am I going to say, I need Jesus, I am fully dependent on Jesus so that he will give me what he wants? If this becomes your model... If we switch our model over to say, no longer is it about what I want Jesus to do. I now want 
him to do what he feels he needs to do, our life will be drastically different. Our approach to life will change uh, in, a, in a crazy kind of way. If this becomes our model, it will completely change the approach that we have to life. And in some ways, it will make it easier, and in some ways, it will make it more difficult. It will make it easier in this sense. That from this day on, you can say, I need Jesus to give me what he wants. I need Jesus so that he will fulfill his plan in my life. And that's going to make life easier in the sense that you now have scripture to guide you on how to live. If you want Jesus in your life so that you can get what you want, there isn't very much written about that in scripture. But if you want Jesus in your life so that you can fully surrender to him and be completely obedient to him, you have the scriptures filled with instructions on how to live. So in that sense, it will become much easier for you. But it will be much harder in this sense. It will be harder because you and I will always find it hard to deny ourselves. There isn't a person in this room who has no problem with saying, you know what? Ah, uh, you know, I prefer that, but no problem. You know, here's what I want to do with my life. Here's, oh, you want me to, oh, yeah, no, yeah, no problem. Most of us have a very hard time denying ourselves. Paul, saying it was up to me, I'd go home and be with Jesus. But what does God want? You. You may say, well, here's what I want to do with my life. Here are the gifts God's given me. Here are the ambitions that I have. Here's what I'm passionate about. And then one day you may feel that God is saying, but that's not where I want you. And it will be very difficult for you and I to deny ourselves the things that we want in order to be obedient to what God wants. So here's the catch for all of us. To live like this, to live in this model that says, I need Jesus to, do, to get what he wants, is a decision. You and I are going to have to make a decision that says, from this day on, it's no longer about me. From this day on, it is about Jesus. And I know that a lot of you in this room, you have given your life over to Jesus Christ and you've prayed and you asked Jesus into your heart and you invited him to become the one who leads your life. But you need to make a decision that no matter what happens in life, that Jesus will always be the one who steers how you live. So even if you're looking out the window thinking you got everything in control, you recognize that no, Jesus is the one who's guiding my life. I remember when I made that decision, Way back, is a one-time decision, and it changed the course of my entire life. And some of you here today, you need to make this decision to say, Jesus, from this day on, it's not me. This isn't a salvation issue. This is you saying, from this day on, I will go and I will be who you want me to be. And I made this decision a long time ago, and I've shared this with you before, that I decided, God, wherever, whenever, however, whatever, I'm yours. And that one decision, that one time, has often interfered with my life. 
There's been many times where if it hadn't been for that commitment, I would have probably gone down a different road. Why? Because my personal ambitions, my personal desires were not what God wanted. I wanted to go this way, or I thought this would be best for me, and and all things kind of lined up. I thought, man, this is what God wants. Or this is what I want for sure. And then all of a sudden it became very clear, no, what God wants from you, Ike, is that. See, if you make that decision, that will make those decisions later on so much easier to say, you know what, okay, God, if that's not what you want, then I will go where, do what you want me to do. So this involves a few things. You need to make a decision today that says, I will go whenever you want me to go. I'll go when you want me. Not tomorrow, not next year, whenever you want me. Not depending on how I feel. Jesus, whenever you want me, I'm yours. I will go wherever. Not only to the places where I feel comfortable. Not only to the things that I love to do. I will go, Jesus, wherever you want me to go. And I will go to whoever. It doesn't matter whether it's my culture. It doesn't matter if it's my peers. It doesn't matter if it's people I'm comfortable with. Jesus, if you're calling me to someone, I will go to whoever you call me to. And lastly, I will do whatever you call me to do. I will go and do whatever it is that you want me to do. That needs to be the approach of our lives. You and I would admit that we need Jesus for everything. And I'm inviting you today to then say it with the same breath. So if I need you for everything, Jesus, then I am surrendering everything. Our dependency on God must be matched by our obedience to God. I want to encourage you as we wrap up this mission month to avail yourself to God and say, God, if you want to use me, I'm yours. It may not be anytime soon, but God, if you want to use me, I'm yours. Parents, I challenge you to release your children to God. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to kids, kids, okay, young adults, and they'll say things like, I just don't know how I'm going to convince my parents that this is what I should do. I'm a parent. Three of the best kids in the world sitting right up here. I can't imagine one day all of a sudden one of them coming home and saying, you know what, I really feel I need to move across the world. And we may see each other only once a year. But I have to trust that if that's what God's plan is for their life, that the last thing I will do is interfere because I don't know how I would live without them. So parents, I want to challenge you. The same thing for your life, you pray the same thing for your children and say, God, I surrender my children to you. That if you want to use them somewhere, I'll let them go. Because what we want to be is a church that is willing to go and to do where and when and what and however God leads us. And I trust that that's a model that we embrace for our own lives and that that's a model that we embrace as a congregation. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you so much.
for this morning. And thank you, God, for the example that we see in Paul's life of a man who just repeatedly, repeatedly allowed you to move in his life in a mighty kind of way. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would move among us. And if there's some of us in this room who've maybe gotten really comfortable where we are, I pray that we would just allow ourselves to be examined this morning and to say, is this, is this where we want to be or is this where you truly want us to be? And I pray that we would line our lives up with your calling in our life. I pray for the parents in this room. God, I pray that if they're holding their kids back in some way, I pray, God, that they would be willing to release their children into your care, trusting in you that you will lead them, that you will guide them, and that you will watch over them in more than they ever could. So, Father, use us to fulfill your work. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.